Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Monica T, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, the 13th day of March 2015. And today we're reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, How It Works, and we are on page 61. And we will be starting with the last paragraph on page 61 that says, Our Actor. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, Lois M., the 12 Traditions, Bev F., and our text readers are Kathleen W., Deanna B., Anita J., and Devorah S. will be our newcomer greeter today. OA Preamble, Overeaters, oh, excuse me, and the share code for yesterday, Thursday, the 12th day of March, is 7390. 7390. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that, People who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Lois M. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Lois M. in Massachusetts and the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a, dis- made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. 
Thank you very much, and I pass. Thank you, Lois. You're welcome. I will now ask Bev F. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning. Um, This is Bev F. calling from Canada. The 12 Traditions. When our common welfare should come first, personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, our group purpose. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God is he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Pass. Thank you, Bev F. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So today we are resuming our study of the big book. We are on page 61 in the chapter How It Works. And we are going to be starting with the last paragraph on page 61. It's, our actor is self-centered. And I will ask Kathleen W. to start reading, please, for us. Hi, this is Kathleen W., um, recovered from Phoenix, Arizona. Can you hear me okay? Sure can. Okay, great. Our actor is self-centered and egotistic, as people like to call it nowadays. He is like the retired businessman who lolls in the Florida sunshine in the winter complaining of the sad state of this nation, the minister who sighs over the sins of the 20th century, 
politicians and reformers who are sure all would be utopia if the rest of the world would only behave. The outlaw safecracker who thinks society has wronged him and the alcoholic who has lost all and is locked up. Whatever our pro- protestations, we are not are not most of us concerned with ourselves, our resentments, or our self-pity. And on this paragraph, I wanted to focus on the word behave, um, because the truth is, I needed to behave and work the steps and look at my character defects. And then suddenly, by doing that, I noticed that everyone around me, my husband, my daughter, my boss, and just everyone changed around me, and I was more loving and tolerant. And then I noticed that they didn't bother me as much once I worked the steps and looked at my character defects. And then I noticed when I changed, people around me changed. And I think because I had more of a calmness around me. Um, And then I also learned that when I'm around someone and you know, they have character defects. Um, I've learned through working the steps, um, especially this last time, a little over a year ago, that, you know, everyone has their own history and their own pain, and I'm able to look past that, um, and it's just helped tremendously. You know, I don't know what someone's past was or their pains as childhood, you know, in their childhood, and I'm, I'm able to be more loving and tolerant to other people by by viewing them that way, you know, they're just like me. You know, I have pain in history from my childhood that I've worked through. And um, I'm just very grateful for these meetings and um, this program. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Kathleen W. And who would like to comment on this paragraph? This is Larry. Larry. Larry Kay, go ahead. Oh, thanks so much, Monica. Appreciate it. Mary Kay, uh, recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. You know, um, in my impatience, I might wonder, you know, why the the chapter that promises to tell me how it works spends so much time on describing what didn't work, you know. And um, in this paragraph and and those that are are to follow, I really designed to drive home the point that that our way, of course, you know, failed. Period end of sentence, you know. And step three is really an affirmative declaration through the construct of a decision that we're going to allow the God of our own understanding to take the wheel. You know, consider this uh, like a suspension of your driver's license. And and how are we going to make this decision? Well, you know, it, it was far more simple than I thought. You know, when I was this uh, kind of card-carrying member of the debating and analysis club, um, you know, membership in that club just kept me stuck in the quicksand. So you see, this is easier than I thought. You know, once I resigned from that club, <clears throat> you know, it suggested that I move immediately on to the action steps and get busy. And, you know, no more stalling, no more debating, no more paralysis through analysis, no more dodging, all that stuff. And it sounds easy enough, but, but here's the great paradox, because there is a paradox here. And I'll call it the paradox of choice. And it goes something like this, you know, should I or shouldn't I? You know, this diet or that one, you know, this job or that one, this this program variation or that one. You know, we love our choices that we have in life. And it, it see, these very choices provides us with an illusion of freedom. You know, take what you want and leave the rest. I mean, nobody, 
you know, like walks into their local cell phone store and asks a salesperson, you know, if they have a phone that, you know, do you have a phone that doesn't do too much? <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, that doesn't happen. And here's the problem. All of this choice has two negative effects on us. And first, that paradoxically, all of this choice produces paralysis. And that's why people come to the rooms of OA and continually relapse. And unfortunately, others die in this disease. When there's too many options to choose from, too many variations presented in how this thing works, we never make a decision to do much of anything at all. I know I didn't. Or worse, you know, we'll take half measures. And tomorrow never comes. The second part of the paradox is if we avoid the paralysis, even you know, if we do and we make a decision you know, and we follow the wrong path, <clears throat> we soon become dissatisfied and relapse or leave. You know, the ego wins out, the disease wins. So, you know, and then we live in regret. So wrapping up for me, when someone finally cracked open this big book for me and brought the solution to light, this had an amazing exponential effect, which led to a vital spiritual transformation. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? I, I'd like to share. Your name, please. Melissa C. Yeah. My name is Nancy R. Nancy R. Okay, and I heard Melissa C. Katie F. Anybody, Katie F. Anybody else? Kim. Okay. Uh, did I hear Kim and Janice? Yeah. Okie dokie. All right. Nancy R., Melissa C., Katie F., Kim and Janice. Nancy R., you're up, and then it'll be Melissa C. Yes, good morning. My name is Nancy R., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And uh, I've read this paragraph, I've heard this paragraph, I've read this paragraph for years, and it really um uh just came to me recently that this is me that no matter no matter what state I'm in I'm always looking for something better I'm never satisfied you know I'm never satisfied that's what this chapter speaks to I have a disease of more of always wanting more and um uh, the self-centeredness keeps me focused on what I don't have as opposed to having gratitude for the things that I do have. Uh, I'm so grateful that uh, I've been led into an understanding that if I keep the focus off of myself and on my higher power, I will be directed to my good. That's all I have to say this morning. Thank you very much. Thank you, Nancy R. And I'm hearing a lot of noise. Please, everybody, stay. Please mute. Okay, Melissa C. You're up, and then it'll be Katie F. Star one to unmute, Melissa. Please. Can you hear me now? I sure can. Thank you. Okay, great. I'm Melissa C. Recovered. Posted overeater from New York, and um, you know, it's funny how often it comes up for me. Um, the finding fault in the rest of the world, and um, you know, like when, when I read this this morning, um, it, it applies directly to my life today. And um, 
And of course it does, because that's why this book was written, so that it could have a daily application to my life. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I can look at the rest of the world and the starry state of the affairs um, from my workplace to relations to family members to friends. And the more I look for the problem in them, the less I have to take responsibility for my part. And that's the biggest thing I've learned here. You know, let them change me. I'm, I'm the thing that I need to press into and allow God to help me change. Um, you know, it, the rest of the world is going to go on exactly as it's meant to be. It's, it's, you know, I say the serenity prayer every day, and um, and this is really what it means. It's, um, I can't control the rest of the world. I can put forth um, my part. I can ask God quietly each morning in my meditation, you know, how can I best serve things, and, um, and then go out and do that. And um, but not look at the fault with everything else around me because you know I'm besides being addicted to, to food, um, I'm addicted to negative thinking and I'm addicted. I have been addicted to complaining, and for me, complaining is like a bag of potato chips. It starts off with just a little commiserating, sharing a little um, of my problem, or let's let's share a little bit of work problem, and then that's all I can focus on, and, and it's like the bad is gone, um, and, and it's back, you know, there's no, nothing that I saw from that mindset, um, and just so grateful that I'm just, you know, focused on me today, and, uh, and my higher power, and bringing the, the best I can into the world, with that I'll pass, thank you. Thank you, Melissa C., and Katie F., you're up, and then it'll be Kim. Good morning. This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Um, and this, you know, this sentence, our actor is self-centered, egocentric. Um, he's like the retired businessman who lulls in the Florida sunshine in the winter, complaining of the sad state of the nation. You know, I, I spent... Um, so much time in that place of thinking, you know, if only everyone else would just do what I think they need to be doing, then I can be happy. And it's been such an eye-opener for me to realize that there are so many situations that I have to do nothing. And that has been the hardest thing for me to learn to do, to mind my own business, to bridle my tongue, to refrain from um, negative thinking, and to uh, just be. I thought that I had to constantly get in there and give everybody my advice because I'm so smart and I've been asking, you know, so long and surely you want to change and you want to be just like me. Or you want, you know, the ideas that I, um, that I have. And <clears throat> it's just been such a uh, freedom to to look at that and say, am I being self-centered in this? Is there something I need to be doing? Is this really my business? Now, what was the question someone asked of me? And so many times I wasn't asked a question. I wasn't, you know, it really has nothing to do with me. Um, You know, yes, there are things that I am involved in, but I spent and have spent in the even, you know, 
not just <laughs> prior to being recovered. I'm talking about, you know, last year where I um, really had to get out of my own way and get out of uh, other people's stuff and just um, press into God and say, what do you want me to do? And it's such a freedom to be off the hook from, you know, running the world. I mean, I have a lot of free time now, and I'm very happy. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. And Kim, you're up, and then it'll be Janice. Thanks, Monica. My name is Kim G, and I am a recovered compulsive reader from South Jersey. Whatever our protestations are, most of us are not most of us concerned with ourselves, our resentments, our self-pity. You know, don't you guys realize that I'm the sun and you guys are just revolving around me? I mean, this is this is the way I view the world. This is the way most of us view the world. You know, everything goes back to the doctor's opinion. I love that line. We cannot differentiate the truth from the false. Our alcoholic life is the only normal one. Our life is so normal where I'm thinking about me, 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 me. I can't understand why you all are and thinking about me, 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 me. You know, I remember so clearly my second LA meeting. I'm dying. I don't know what to do. I am so scared. And I, and I listened to every single person in that room, and I knew exactly what they should do. And I was rolling my eyes going, God, these people are idiots. Don't they know they should just do this or that? As I'm dying in my own disease. That's the arrogance we have here. You know, it's my self-pity, my resentments, me, me, me. Everything is about getting my way. And what happens when I don't get my way? When I don't get my way in the past, I get resentment. When I don't get my way in right now, I have anger and depression. And when I, fear, when I don't get my way in the future, I am in fear. And let me tell you, when we realize this in step three, that's going to propel us to step four. And in step four, we're going to get to deal with our resentments. We're going to get to deal with our fear. We're going to get to deal with our sex conduct. What we're being told now is that is the problem. I am so thinking of me. And let me tell you, the only thing I'm th- time I'm thinking of you is when I'm wondering what you are thinking of me. And that's why I love these examples. I happen to be a political junkie. You know, and that's the big one of the problems I see in politics is everyone goes in their ideological foxholes and believes the rest of the 310 million, 10 billion people in the United States should think just like me. If I'm in Texas, I don't, I don't care what people in Maine think. If I'm in Washington State, I don't care what people in Florida need. It's, this country is about me and how I feel and the world should feel like I feel. You look at it, if someone witnesses an accident, if you have 20 witnesses, you're going to have 20 different perspectives because everyone's looking at it from how they look at it. It's our perspective. And I was faced when I was dying again four years ago in the disease and I thought these steps aren't going to work anymore. I had to be faced with my own arrogance when someone said to me, listen, these, these instructions haven't had to be changed in 80 years. They've worked for alcoholics, drug addicts, compulsive overeaters, gamblers. What makes you think that you're so gosh darn special that they won't work for you? Because I'm special. And I had to give up my way and what I thought of the steps and the way that I tweaked it and the way that I changed it and all the opinions I took in and I had to specifically work these directions, and ironically, I specifically got the results that they promised me. And with that, I passed. Thank you, Kim G. And Janice, you're up. 
Well, thank you. Um, my name is uh, Janice M. I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. I don't know if I'm going to be repetitious here, but, you know, um, before recovery in disease, of course, I'm still a so, little bit self-centered, but anyway, the center, the center of my life was me, myself and I. And um, if you looked at the word ego, ego is self, and the acronym, the acronym is easing God out. Yes, it was all about me. I was so selfish. selfish. Um, I, and, and what that means to me is I always thought too often of myself, whereas in recovery today, the goal is to be selfless to think less of myself. See, that's the difference. I can compare it. And what I see here is playing the victim. I was always the victim, 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 victim. If only, if this circumstance was different, if I married somebody else, and I'm still married after 50 years, if my my child didn't have this illness, um, I, I wouldn't be eating. I wouldn't feel like this. I wouldn't have the resentment. I wouldn't have the self-pity, like if you only had my life. That's victimization. I was always the victim. So that's why I always um, used to justify and rationalize why I did certain things, because I was always looking outside of myself with the capital S to find out exactly, you know, who are you, Janice, anyway, to define myself by prestige or power, you know, to give me self-worth. So I was always setting myself up as a victim, um, you know, because I was, I was taught to look outside of myself to places and, and people. How did that work for you? <laughs> this reminds me of Monica. How did that work for you, Janice? Well, it didn't work for me because of the protestations, my strong experience of disappointments in life. So, you know, there had to be a change. And somebody mentioned the um, the serenity prayer. I used to pray pray that, but I, I prayed backwards. I would pray, well, let me change you this and that, and then I'll be fine. No, it doesn't say that. I have to change first. So we're coming up, you know, to, we're going to make that decision. Uh, we made that decision. How am I going to change from being the victim to the empowerment of having another power in my life? And with that, I pass. Thank you, Janice M. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? I'd like to uh, comment, Monica. This is Vasa. Go ahead, Vasa. Thank you very much for your service, and good morning, everybody. And I'm Vasa O, Recovered Compulsive Reader, calling from, from from Florida, sunny Florida. And anyways, um, yeah, I can relate with the paragraph we just read. I was miserable, before, you know, before I came to recovery. I was really so, so miserable when I was into the food addiction. I just wasn't happy with myself, you know. And I brought myself wherever I went. So I brought the misery with me. Um, I remember feeling the victim, you know, from my from the child from childhood. Uh, you know, and uh I carried those behaviors. Uh when I 
made the decision to surrender to God and put the food in God's hands, it seemed and started working the twelve steps. So even for me, once I put the food down and surrendered to God, I felt like I was born again. I didn't know much about the program. I knew some about God, but you know, had religion. But it seemed from that moment I started experiencing peace and joy. I hadn't even lost one pound yet. So, I, and then when I started reading the big book, and then I learned, you know, my creator took me. I surrendered into and became, I surrendered to and I became into. And that's when I started experiencing the joy, the peace in my life that I never had or I never expected. I didn't know what was going to happen. And then, you know, again, then I started looking at the behaviors I had carried over over the years. And uh, it was just, you know, I didn't want to look at it. I, You know, I, I always tried to uh, bury myself into false um, cheerfulness over the years, you know. I hid myself, you know. I tried to be happy when I really wasn't happy. So that was not the real me. That wasn't real. the real me. Um, but again, working the, the steps, and I didn't know what ego meant. I didn't know what self-centeredness meant. I didn't know any of this stuff till I started looking up words because English was my second language. And uh, I had to learn so much. And God was deflating me, you know, deflating my ego as uh, self-centeredness, the selfishness as I was going through the steps. So thank you for letting me share that path. Thank you, Vasa. Would anyone else like to share on this before we move on? Okay. All right. Let's move on then. This is Sherry Kay in Georgia, and I would like to share. All right. Sherry Kay, go ahead. Thank you, Monica. Um, it was it was so huge for me to to find out after being in this program that that I was I, I just thought I was so important and that everything was about me and and I heard someone say um, this morning um, you know I was all about more more this more that and. Uh, you know, I had a huge ego, but I didn't know I did. Uh, you know, because when, when I was um, in my disease, um, oh, I don't know. You know, I wasn't aware of anything except just uh, getting what I needed to, um, to. I'm not even going to say thrive back then, but uh, to cope um, uh, and manage my life. Even though I really wasn't managing it, but um, I so appreciate the awareness today of how I used to be, and that, and that I thought I was, uh, you know, um, more important than anyone else, and uh, and and my needs were the most important, and it's so humbling. It is so humbling. And I, I just am so, so, um, so thankful for knowing that, and um, 
you know, what a relief that I can just relax my shoulders down and just and just sigh and um, just just relax and knowing that, you know, it takes the pressure off. Really, you know, um, I don't have to work so hard. Um, anyway, that's all I have. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry Kay. And let's move on to the next paragraph. And Deanna B., could you read for us, please? Thank you. This is uh, Deanna B., a recovered compulsive reader currently in Arizona. And thank you, Monica, for your service. Uh, selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles. Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us, seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that at some time in the past we have made decisions based on self, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. There's a lot packed in these paragraphs, and I'm probably going to be a little repetitive because that's what we've been talking about, selfishness, self-centered. And if you were to ask me or say to me that I was selfish and self-centered years ago, I would say, no, no, that's, I'm just, you know, poor little old me, the martyr. Uh, I looked up selfishness in the big book dictionary, wanting my way, very obvious, for my own comfort or convenience, self-absorbed, That's, that was me, self-seeking. And sometimes it still is. And when I get into that, it's so different than it used to be because it's very painful and I need to get out of it. I need to do, I need to call on my higher power. I need to get that connection back because when I'm into my own self, selfishness, I want what I want, and I want it now, then I'm disconnected. Uh, When I could be quiet and listen and not judge my own thoughts and not think about what I don't have, I was told, and somebody else mentioned it here this morning, years ago when I first came into 12-step program. I remember this gentleman telling me I went to an open AA meeting and he said, not just for my ears, but I felt that it was just for me. There's that self-centeredness that, you know, to pray to want what I have and not what I don't have. And I forget that sometimes because I'm always wanting what you have, what you have. And maybe not materialistically, but what I think on the outside you're projecting this confidence and this self-assuredness and, uh, you know, always in the back of my mind was, what about me? What about me? You're giving more attention to that one. What about me, even in my family? And that has brought me a lot of pain uh, and isolation uh, because the center of my life is me. Um, And this, it's so exciting for me, the journey that we all are on and, and, and to see other people being recovered and getting into recovery and connecting and clicking 
with the program and saying, yeah, that's right, that was that little nudge I got from my higher power. It's just so beautiful. And, and uh, thank you for letting me share, and I'll pass. Thank you, Deanna B. And who would like to share on this paragraph? Kathy Kim. Kim Kathy and K. Kathy, I heard a Kim. Paula D. Kim, Leah. Kim, what was... Monica, this is Raquel. We have a... Kim, 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 I Kim, 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 Thanks, Monica, for your service. This is Kathy Kay, a recovered compulsive overeater in Boston. Oh, my, how how unaware I was of my selfishness um, for so many years, really, until I started doing this work um, because I was so clouded by my people-pleasing motive. I thought everything I did was in service to others. I was always trying to please people and to give them what they need and um, to anticipate their expectations. And I considered all of that unselfish behavior. And it was only through examining my thought processes that I came to see through the fourth step just how selfish and self-centered I am. I also was taught um, not to judge that, but to do the fact-finding of it um, and to recognize that all that resentment and depression and anxiety that I felt was indeed fueled by my selfishness, by my wanting what I want when I want it. And it was quite a freedom to discover that only, uh, that all I had to do with the help of God was to transform the way I think and act. And then all that stuff I thought was caused by other people in the world and victimizing me just went away. And I'm so grateful that today, when those moments of selfishness return, I know exactly what I need to do in order to transform to a more loving, grateful place. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy Kay. And Kim, you're next. Thank you, Monica, for your service. Um, this is Kim MC in Dallas. I just had to jump in here. I'm very grateful, uh, recovered today um, by the grace of God. Grateful for everybody on the line. Grateful for those who will come to the recording playback and listen. Driven by a hundred forms of fear. You know what? When I recognize that in doing the four-step process, that it was my fear that was actually driving me to do the self-seeking, selfish behaviors, I knew that, and, I, and now I know from working the steps and from getting in conscious contact with my higher power, daily 10 steps, asking God to remove that fear, I don't have to act 
on that fear anymore because fear is something that crops up constantly. But thank God for this process where I could now see how it was my fear of not getting what I wanted that would literally, like I felt, you know, almost biologically mandated to try to take behavior, to take action, to get my way. And so the selfishness and the self-centeredness was truly a manifestation of this fear, this underlying fear that I was constantly walking around in and didn't even know. So I'm grateful today that all throughout my day, even if I don't think I'm in fear, I just say it every three or four times a day, God, please remove the fear. And if I know specifically what it is, I will say, but please remove my fear. Direct my attention to what you have me to be, and peace comes. I'm so grateful for this skill set. I'm so grateful for this process. And I just had to jump in here. Thank you for letting me share, and I will pass. Thank you, Kim MC. And Paula D., you're up, and then it'll be Leah. Star one to unmute, Paula. Thank you, Monica, and thank you for your service. And uh, my dear friend, and this would be Paula, and uh, Paula D., and uh, I am a compulsive overeater recovered by the grace of God. You know, as as I was looking at this, and this is something that we really don't uh, Well, let me speak for myself here. That's why I'm speaking for selfishness, self-centeredness. Well, that means that God was definitely not in the center since it was me. Now, I want you to know, though, he was somewhere in the sidelines. Wrong positioning. Wrong positioning. That, we think, is the root. You know, if it was part of my trouble... But when you look at the root of the plant, that's what it grows into. The root is the the mainstay of the plant. That was the root of my troubles. That, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. You know, when you're driven, I was um, on an airline that couldn't take me to one place. So what they did, they had to drive me to another airport. So I was driven. Didn't matter where I wanted to go. The driver was in the seat, and I was in the back, and I was being driven. And that's exactly the same thing. You're going to be taken to a place. Where does fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity, not only did it take me to a place, it kept me at a place. We step on the toes of our fellows, and they retaliate. I am always surprised. Today, I'm not so surprised. But look at what it says. But we invariably find, when you finally look, when you finally look, you think I was looking for that? Why would I? I will tell you why I would. Because I wanted to say that I am recovered. I wanted the spiritual experience they talked about that was always eluding me. Find that at some time in the past. So this is when we make use of the past. Some say, just forget the past. Oh, no, you learn from the past. Oh, it will repeat itself. We have made decisions based on self, on how I felt, how I thought would be best. Oh, about you? Oh, wait, based on self, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. And again, 
always shocked. You know, they say addiction is a persistent pattern of a long-term self-defeating behaviors driven. Oh, wow. Look at the word repeated here in a meaning by disillusion, by delusional thinking about short-term benefits. Oh, I'll win that one. Yeah. What do you win? Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula D. And Leah, you're up, and then it'll be Raquel. Thanks so much, Monica. Hey, everybody. It's Leah M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles. You know, thank God for the big book. I'm just so grateful uh, that they give it to me straight up. You know, that that is my disease. That's the root of it. That's the... Uh, you know, the origin, the source, it's beneath the surface. Just pulling a few weeds every now and then is not going to do the job. I mean, it's just like caring for your lawn. You know, if you pull the crab grass just from the surface, you know, in a few days, <laughs> it makes a reappearance. And it's the same thing. you got to get at the root of that crab grass. And it's the same thing with the selfishness and self-centeredness. You know, when I came here crawling, uh, tombstones in my eyes, you know, I had been riddled with fear throughout my entire existence. I had such self-doubt and such great insecurity, and I was the biggest obstacle to a better life. You know, my thinking was my greatest obstacle. I, I simply had a rough time living. I had a rough time living. I had a rough time. I, I never felt satisfied. I had this insatiable, you know, desire for recognition and love and acceptance and I made demands upon other people for that attention, for that love, for that protection, for that acceptance. And these demands, you know, and and the desire to organize and rearrange all the characters on my stage in a particular way only invited conflict and collision. You know, I even 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 with good intentions wanting things to just be in a certain way so that I could be comfortable because in my thinking, if I was comfortable, then I wouldn't eat. And so I desperately continued to try to rearrange, you know, like a puppeteer, all these people on the stage of my life in order to get comfortable. And the bottom line is, I was in, uncomfortable within. It didn't matter what was going on. External conditions are never a remedy for an internal condition. I had an internal condition of selfishness and self-centeredness. And, of course, those habits of selfishness and inconsiderateness uh, kept my home and my friendship life and my work life, etc., in turmoil, and despite years of involvement with psychology and therapy and self-help, I did not see the defects that dominated me. I did not see that because ordinary therapy and ordinary faith and ordinary religion isn't enough. What we're talking about, the necessary process I had to go through was a transforming experience, a conversion, because the antidote to selfishness was going to be God-centeredness. It was going to be other-centeredness. I desperately was looking outside for scraps of pleasure, fulfillment, validation, security, and love. Through this process, I learned uh, that I have a treasure within me, an inner unsuspected resource with 
that not only includes all those things, but is infinitely greater than anything the world out there can offer. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. And Raquel, you're up. Star one to unmute, Raquel. Hello. There you are. Monica. You're up. Can you hear me? Yeah, it it uh, it mutes itself after a while. I was so I was so deep in what everybody was saying. Uh, this is Raquel calling from Israel, uh, compulsive eater in somewhat of recovery. Uh, great historic moment for me. The six years and three months, and now I'm starting to understand a little bit. And all the wonderful things that were said, I just chime in with it all. These are the most important parts for me. That selfishness, that self-centeredness, I, when I finally understood that the, that I, what was meant by it, that I could be doing good deeds all day long and be still self-seeking, self-centered, selfish, and all that just because I want to get something out of it, that self-delusion, that all my fears were going to be allied and and taken care of, and I will have a place in the world, and I only if I do all these things and all the people pleasing, everything that was said is so good. But to really understand this English, this old English, this is not the kind of selfishness that we think about. It's even selfishness of arguing with God, you know, as, you know, I don't, there's some sense that I think I used to think I could arrange a lot better than him. Um, not agreeing that the world is the way it is, not accepting reality, and especially not my reality, and trying so hard to change it and, and change the scenery. Nobody could describe it any better than this and the good interpretations of people are, I just want to thank everybody for being there and thank goodness for, for the big book and to adhere. I, I want to adhere to it and not go anywhere else. It's, everything is in here. Thank you so much for being there and a, a good day to everybody. I pass. Thank you, Raquel. And we've got time for a couple of shares. Who else would like to share? Jane B. Jane M. Jane B and Kim and Kim M. Okie dokie. Jane B, you're up. Hi. Thank you. Uh, Hi, this is Jane B from Florida, recovered food addict. Um, You know, I think this passage really shocked me when I read it because I believed, I honestly believed that I was not self-centered and that I had every right to feel you know, a little fear at times, and I realized that all that self-pity that I ate over and all that stuff is was the opposite side of the coin of selfishness and self-centeredness because it was always about me, 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 me. And, um, you know, I didn't think much of myself, but I, I thought that's all I thought about 24-7. I, even when I was was in a relationship, I thought more about what you thought about me in the conversation, and I hardly heard sometimes what you were saying because I was so focused in on. Uh, well, I was driven by knife point by all my fears um, to, you know, cover up all that insecurity and. Um, 
you know, and I, with all the years that I had in, in program and 27 years of big book, and I, I never really took an honest inventory and look at Jane. I just didn't see it. But I didn't know what I didn't know. So I, I really do believe that, you know, my eyes were open when I was in enough pain and I had no more fear anymore because the, I just was knocked down so hard by the food and by the misery that I was in, in abstinence too, mostly abstinence, that I just, I said, what could I possibly, what could possibly hurt me more? It can only help me, you know. These facts for years have been on, written on paper that these, peop- these, these alcoholics recovered and I was suffering, and I didn't have a solution. So it's, it's, a, it's really a godsend to be able to say, I don't know. Please, God, I don't know, and I need help. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Jane B. And Kim M., you're up. Good morning. This is Kim M. calling from Texas. I'm a graceful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, after being out of program for many years, I came back in a couple of years ago, and um, I, I could not understand page 60 to 63, you know, that I was trying to arrange the stage and the actors and all of that. And I kept asking my sponsor, what did it mean, what did it mean? And she said that, you know, I would understand what it meant. And then as I was going through the steps and I went through step four, I realized that all of the resentments and the fears and everything that I had really was of my own doing. Because while I was trying to be gracious um, and trying to arrange all these actors and making sure that my friends had it all together with my help, of course, because I was giving them advice, on a constant basis, I realized that the strains in my relationships with my sisters and my husband and my daughter was of my own doing because I was trying to push off what I felt they needed to be doing in their lives. Well, thank God for saving me from myself because now I mind my business. And if I'm not sure uh, whether I should be minding my business or not, I just ask God, is this any of my business? And and a lot of times I get no, and then I'm like, okay. And then I just I just say, I'll pray for you. I know that you'll get the right answer because you can't tell other people how to live their lives. It really makes them angry. And then the thing, the funny thing about it, it used to make me angry when other people would tell me what I need to be doing with my husband or my daughter. So. I just uh, am really glad that I came back to this program because uh, no other solution, including surgery, worked for me. This is the only thing that has worked, and I want to encourage newcomers to keep coming. Thank you so much, and um, you guys have a great day, and I pass. Thank you, Kim M., and this is Monica, and I would like to say something that... um, I am a recovered compulsive overeater, and something that really helped me with this part of the book was a little um, 
suggestion that my sponsor gave to me in reading this part. And she had me start back on page 60 with the A, B, and C. And what she had me do was to personalize it and to put it in present tense and to read from A, B, and C through to the end of the um, third step promises there in uh, personalizing it to me personal and in present tense. So, for example, selfishness and self-centeredness, that I think is the root of my troubles, driven by a hundred forms of fear self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. I step on the toes of my fellows and they retaliate. They get even. Um, This just really helped me to, you know, this was me, not reading a book about alcoholics. This was about me. So it really helped me to identify. And with that, I pass. And we've come to the end of our time here this morning so quickly again. And I'd like to thank everyone who has shared And we will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Anita J., could you read for us, please, from A Vision for You? Yes, I can. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Oh, wonderful. Thank you for your service, Monica, and everybody's service. If you listened or shared, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if you, your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely to what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.